20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your 24-7, 365 source for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Welland. Joining me as always, Tyler Grezegork and Chris Schimmel. And guys, how's everything going for you? It's been a while. Yeah, no kidding. It's been, I think... I, I missed the last one, so I think it's been almost a full month since I've been with you guys. So, how have you guys been? I I think it's about the same for me, actually. I haven't been on in about a month. I think the last time that you and I were both on was when we did it together. Uh, we both were unavailable to do it on our last turn, so Mike jumped in with Paul, I think. But, yeah, it's good to be back. Oh, absolutely. It is great to be back, and it's we're about a month away from a training camp. It's players are off they're back home they're maybe still in green bay they're still all around just kind of getting that last little reset before it becomes all football all the time at the end of july the packers did release their training camp schedule earlier this week so they we all know what dates they're going to be in town when they're going to be uh, working with houston and when the games are on those thursdays as well but with that being said there is a 90-man roster to look at there's a lot of players to look at and break down and beyond the obvious ones, we don't need to do too much on Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams or Kenny Clark. There are a lot of dark horse guys to really kind of look at, not only just to make the roster, but to have a significant impact or even become the star level player that they can be. And so the three of us coming together, we decided to kind of focus on that in, in this episode. So we each have picked one of a uh, dark horse player to make the roster, a dark horse player to make a significant impact on the Packers in 2019 and one who will break out and become a full-fledged star in the NFL in 2019. So with that being said, Chris, I will go to you. But before that, don't forget a uh, quick reminder as well for you guys that we are very thankful and honored to be able to work with Ticket King. They are they have helped us sponsor us out. They're going to help us out and really give us everything we need. And they're such a great sponsor to be around as well. They've done great work with Cheesehead TV over the years. For all the great information, uh, you can always check out Andy Herman. He, he are, are the godfather of the Packaday podcast. He has done a, some great stuff with Ticket King to help get them on board, uh, working with a lot of other great contributors as well. And it's, it is a great spot to get tickets for Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Badgers, anything Wisconsin based as well as concerts, uh, theater performances, things like that. It is a great, great sponsor. We are very, very thankful that they that they are willing to work with us over this time as we continue to branch out and increase the Packaday podcast as well. So big thanks to Ticket King for that. And right now, let's dive into our main event. Some dark horse players on the Packers roster first to make the roster. And Tyler, I'll go to you first. Yeah, so I'm going to take a guy here uh, as my dark horse to make the roster, the final 53-man roster, um, Kadar Hallman. So he's coming into what is slowly become a, a crowded defensive back room uh, but this is a guy who has just been fighting his entire we'll call it professional career um, all the way from high school through uh, his time at Toledo and now into the NFL sixth round pick um, you know he's got he's got a chip on his shoulder and I'm I'm a fan of guys like that uh, he, he's been highly praised uh, out of the OTAs and minicamp um, it's I'm just excited to see what he can do. He's been highly praised by Patton for his ability in press coverage, and we all know how Patton likes to do that, how he looks for those types of players so he can so he can isolate his wide receivers and corners on the outside. So I just think that, you know, with that skill set and, you know, him being uh, fresh to the NFL and being a, 
having the chip on his shoulder and being a hard worker as much as he is, that he's going to find his way onto the back end of this 53-man roster, uh, probably in a special teams role, but maybe we'll see him on the field uh, in meaningful plays and uh, on the defense later on in the season. No, you're absolutely right, Tyler. And uh, uh, the Journal Sentinel and Packers News did a really good uh, profile on home earlier this week as well. They talked about his his struggle to get his scores raised up to get into a school, and he sent applications everywhere. And his story is really fascinating, and he shows that drive and desire to really become a guy who's going to stick on a roster. Combine that with the praise he got during minicamp, and I, I agree with you. I think he's I think he's got a very good shot of making the roster, and is a, a name that Packers fans really should be paying attention to. So, Chris, who have you got as a dark horse? Uh, my dark horse for making the roster, it's kind of a boring, bland pick. I'm picking Alex Light, the offensive tackle. A lot of people who hear that are probably thinking, who? You know, he played in only three games last year. He was undrafted in 2018. And uh, he was even suspended one game last year for violating the league substance abuse policy. But I'm picking him simply because I feel the Packers still need to have some depth on that offensive line. Mostly because... I still, I know some people think he's gotten better, but I still do not trust Jason Spriggs at all. And that you're going to have to have some more depth at the tackle position. I know that they got Turner and Lane Taylor and Justin McCray all have experience at the tackle position, but I just feel that they're going to have to keep uh, light as a backup because in 2018, only two Packers registered a worse pressure rate than Jason Spriggs. And that was McCray and Bell. So I just feel that they're going to have to keep Alex Light, not just because he because he's a good player, but mostly just because they just need some depth at the tackle position. What do you guys think? So specifically with tackles, uh, it, you know, you can never have too many of them. And, you know, I was just looking at it today. I, I think that the Packers are going to be in a market for a tackle next offseason. You know, they brought in Billy Turner, who can play guard and tackle this, this offseason. They drafted Elton Jenkins, who's probably going to play. He's not going to move out to right tackle. He probably could in a pinch if you absolutely needed him to. But Yeah, but that's the thing. They have all these guys who can play guard and tackle, but they're mostly guards. You know, you right. want them to play guard. And so you don't you don't want it to be a last resort where they have to all of a sudden move to the right tackle position, exactly. which I think you just need to keep light just as a security blanket almost. Yeah, and, you know, the the only thing that he really doesn't have going for him is the fact that the previous coaching staff was the one that was high on him. You know, it's a completely new coaching staff from head coach all the way down through the uh, offensive line coach. So he's going to have to, you know, earn their praise and really kind of shine in their eyes. Uh, and so that might be a challenge for him, but I, I certainly see a path to the roster for a guy like light yeah i think so too i agree with you the versatility matters the most uh for my personal dark horse as we move things along i'm staying in the secondary like you tyler i'm going natural jamerson he is now working with the safety group uh former badger who i've watched quite extensively over his career in wisconsin and i wrote for dairyland express about jamerson in an article about dark horses to make the roster he's got three things going for him one he's versatile plays corner and safety and he can play in the slot Two, he's, he's got a lot of special teams experience. He was a, a kick returner for the Badgers and a very good one at that. And three, Josh Jones. That situation being up in the air opens up that number three and four safety spots behind Amos and Savage. And Jamerson and Raven Green seem to have the inside track onto those spots as well. And Jamerson was a great athlete, tested very well coming out of Wisconsin, uh, was a fifth-round pick by the Saints and spent some time with Houston as well. And I think... They were, I think they liked what they saw from him when they brought him in last year. I think I think he's gotten some work with the number two defense this year already in minicamp. And I think he's a guy who has got all the pedigrees, got all of the traits you want from a core special teams guy to kind of be that Chris Banjo type role that the special teams units definitely need. 
you can never have too many special teamers, though. You can never have too many special teamers, and uh, especially with guys who... The best special teamers to have are the ones who are really have something to play for. And a guy like Jamerson, who's kind of bounced around already a little bit in his young career, uh, he he's going to want to make that impression. I think that there's even a spot for him to carve out some minimal playing time on defense just due to the depth at safety, as which you kind of touched on. You know, there's so many, uh, let's say, third and fourth string players who are going to make their name via special teams. I think we're going to see a special teams overhaul this, this season, unlike we have seen in the past, simply because of all the coaching changes and the new special teams coordinator. Just all the changes, I think we're finally going to see a different special teams unit, and we're going to see these guys kind of making their name and making their mark that way. No, absolutely, and that's why, exactly why I picked him. I think special teams with Sean Manega will be a massive overhaul, and guys – like Holman and guys like uh, the two, the other running backs, I think will have a big role in some receivers as well, through on and so forth. This is going to be a completely different special teams unit in 2019. So there's three dark horses to make the 53-man roster. Now there's three guys who are pretty locked into the roster and where they think they can have a significant impact in 2019. So, Chris, I'm going to go to you first. Who do you think is going to have a big impact as and kind of a dark horse role to be a very significant contributor to the 2019 Packers? My guy for the biggest impact is Dean Lowry. And that's because one, he's improved every single uh, season he's been in the league. Last year, he set a career best in tackles, sacks, passes defended, and forced fumbles. And then, and I was especially also thinking because of Mike Daniels may not even be around after this season. This might be his last year. So, which means Lowry's really going to have to make an impact to think that they can let Mike Daniels walk and he can replace him. Because uh, Daniels, you know, he played every game from 2014 to 2016 and played 14 games in 2017, but then he started getting hurt. So D- Lowry had to really step it up, and I think he did last year, and I expect him to continue that this next season. I, I think that yeah, he has a ceiling, and I think that his ceiling and his floor, like he has a relatively low ceiling, and I think his ceiling and his floor are pretty much one and the same. And I'm not saying that he can't get any better because, you know, with each coming year in the system, he's going to get better. And each coming year as an NFL player, he's going to get better and stronger and smarter. But I just feel like Dean Lowry's already kind of reached that point, And I think we know what we're going to get from Dean Lowry. And I'm not sure we're going to get much more. I think that you can get more out of him simply by adding better players around him. Because when you have better players around you, that's going to open things up for you. So I think as the defense improves from every single level, that could help him out. He's not going to do anything fancy. He's not going to really wow you with huge numbers. But I just feel as the players around him get better, which I think they have, he'll show something. But I think he'll have a big impact. That's why I, I, he's, that's why I think he'd be a good dark horse, just in case he does. Don't be too surprised. But don't be also too surprised if he doesn't, if he just keeps doing what he's doing. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think the thing keeping on with Lowry is – He's not going to go and get 10 sacks, but he's going to be a guy who's going to hold the run very well. He's going to hold the point, eat up blockers, and he's very has a very good knack at knocking down passes at the line. So I think that's his impact he's going to be there. But I do agree he is a very dark horse guy. Uh, my dark horse to make an impact is in the offensive backfield. I'm going Jamal Williams. Uh, I, I think all the talk is in about Aaron Jones, and rightfully so. Jones could have a monster year in the new offense and in the in the outside zone run. But I do think Williams, with what he does as a receiver, what he's done as kind of the do-it-all, jack-of-all-trades type back, could really have a big, bigger impact than people realize out of that backfield. 
And I think he, I think he's going to want to kind of prove himself that he is a better runner than his numbers have shown over the last couple of years as well. And I think he might be the more well-rounded back. He's a guy who could really step up, especially on third down type roles to kind of be that glue back that this team needs. I think where Jamal Williams really provides his value is, as you said, a well-rounded, a, real, a well-rounded guy, and you know what you're getting when you put him onto the football field. You know he's not going to be super dynamic. He's not going to make a ton of big plays, but he's going to do the right thing, and he's going to not make big mistakes. So he's going to provide value as well on third down, simply because he is at this point in time, from what we know, the best pass blocking running back on the roster. So Dexter Williams, I have no reason to believe why he would even surpass Jamal Williams in that category. Aaron Jones has been improving, but again, he, he struggled with it uh, in the past couple seasons, and he hasn't really been able to stay healthy himself. So I definitely see how Jamal Williams could find a way to being a key player for this offense. And then, and Tyler, who is your impactful dark horse? Yeah, so I'm going back to the defense. You know, I'm going back to the defensive line, actually. But I'm going to go with Rayshon Gary. And I think that, you know, we were all really, really kind of shocked and surprised and probably sad and angry on draft night when the Packers took Rayshon Gary. But after having some time to kind of sit back and really evaluate the situation that not only he's being put in, but that he allows the team to have and the weapons that Mike Pettin is going to have, I think Rayshon Gary um, finally with a clear path and a clear objective on defense which is going to be rushing the passer which is not what he was asked to do at Michigan all the time actually most of the time he was asked to do something else to allow his teammates to make a play I think we're finally going to be able to see what Rayshon Gary can provide in the pass rush and when you kind of throw him into the mix with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith man that is a crazy five to kind of throw onto the field talk about athletes like the the stunts the the a-gap blitzes it just it's going to be a fun time to watch Packers defense and I'm excited to see what Gary's going to do in that role that Petten has in mind for him. And that's not even counting in the two two of the top sack guys with Martinez and Fackerlock that are going to be coming off that blitz as well. This is going to be a creative and fun defense. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on either Jamal Williams or on on Rashawn Gary? I like the I really like the Rashawn Gary pick because people already heard about him and they just heard nothing but criticism about how he is a product that needs to be polished, but. I really like that you have as a dark horse because I can see him really coming out and really shocking some people. And I, I know this might sound crazy, but it kind of reminds me just a little bit of when the Packers got Clay Matthews back in 2009 when they traded up to get him in the first round because Matthews only had four and a half sacks his senior year, and he started only 10 games his entire college career, which was five years. And so a lot of people didn't really expect Matthews to just come out and set the Packer rookie record for sacks. So I can see Rashawn Gary really surprising people because I know what Bakhtiari said not too long ago that he he understands why he was drafted so high. He has a really quick first step. So I, I really hope Gary really comes out and shows everybody. So I really like that one. And the Jamal Williams, too, great pass blocker. Like you said, he's not the the sexy back that's really going to wow you with some runs like Aaron Jones. But he's just the guy who will always just – make the right play at the right time, do what he has to do. Like what Bill Belichick says, just do your job. This is it. Do it. And I, I see Jamal Williams is a perfect backup back for that. Absolutely. And so we've got dark horses to make the roster, dark horses to make a significant impact. 
But now here's some dark horses on guys who can become stars in the NFL in 2019. And and I'll get this one started. And this one could get me some laughter and consternation from, from the peanut gallery that is known as social media. But I'm going Kevin King with a caveat. He's got to be on the field. But when if he plays a full season, I see no reason why this guy can't be a Pro Bowl level player, cannot be a number one corner. And this team showed last year, especially in that San Francisco game, that they are so much better when number 20 is out on that field, on that perimeter with Jair Alexander and Tremont Williams and Josh Jackson and all these other secondary guys, that with him out there, this is a completely different team and a much, much better defense. And if he can just stay out there, he is a guy who has all the talent to become a legitimate star in the NFL. Well, as I mentioned earlier with uh, Hallman, uh, King himself is a perfect fit for what Patton likes to do. Uh, and, you know, you, you hit it on the head there with the San Francisco game. We saw what King can be. Uh, he was he was a force in that game for the Packers defense. And I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think that Kevin King, when, if he can stay healthy and when he does, he's going to be a star on this team. He has all the physical tools to be a freak corner and a, a, just a freak on the edge and take take care of guys who who have traditionally bullied the Packers. Now, He's not going to necessarily play uh, as fast as some of these receivers that he may have to go up against. We kind of saw it against Marquise Goodwin in that in that 49ers game, but he's going to be good enough, uh, you know. And if he's going to basically make these quarterbacks have to make perfect throws, and if you know these guys who aren't super fast, he's going to be up in their grill because he's just going to press them, and he's got the instincts and he's got the the ball skills to be able to make plays on a lot of these balls. And when you couple, when you start to couple him with a couple of the other guys in the secondary, it's just really exciting to think about. Yeah, Tyler. And I also want to add that Kevin King is also a great corner when it comes to defending the run. Cause I love his tackling ability too. No, I agree. And, and he's the guy who matches up really well with guys like uh, Adam Thielen, I think would be a, is a great matchup for him. Guys like that, I think he matches up very, very strongly with. And and But again, this all comes down to being healthy. The team has been taking it easy with him during mini camps. He's been doing only individual stuff. But all signs say that he should be full go for training camp, which is a very good sign for Green Bay. So, so Chris, we'll go to you next. Who is your dark horse to be a star in the NFL in 2019? Mine is going to be uh, uh, Valdez Scantling, wide receiver, because the Packers really need a number two wide receiver, and I think he really uh, impressed. Of course, he had a you know a good rookie season. He had more catches and receiving yards than Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson did in their first season, and uh, he had the third best separation rate in 2018, 70.3 percent of his targets. But uh, then again, was he one of the best at gaining separation, or did Rodgers you know, rarely throw to him when he wasn't open? I think it may have been a combination of both. But you know, the guy has great speed and he's great physical ability. I just remembered uh, the first offensive play against San Francisco, the 60-yard play, stuff like that, or his touchdown against the Rams where he, he's so good at getting separation off the line. I feel that you can't really trust uh, you know, Geronimo Allison to stay healthy. So if he can't, Scanling's really going to have to be that number two wide receiver. Kind of like how uh, uh, Devontae uh, Randall Cobb became the second number two to Nelson when uh, Jennings and Jones all left. Scanling's going to have to make that next step, and I really think he's going to. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because like, I think of Geronimo Allison, I think the rest of the receiver group uh, being Adams, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, and Marcos Valdez-Scantling, I kind of look at the receiving core as those three with 
the supplement of Allison, and I don't. Maybe it's not fair to Geronimo Allison, but that's just kind of how I look at it when I'm when I'm thinking about the future of this group and what to expect of them in 2019. Um, the thing is, they're all kind of different. I think Allison is most similar to Devonte Adams out of those three, but you know when you start factoring in Equinemius St. Brown to Marquez Valdez Scantling to Devonte Adams slash Geronimo Allison, they all kind of provide different skill sets. And I think that that's going to be the most exciting thing to see about this group, specifically Marcos Valdez-Scantling. There's reports that this offense is going to open things up for him. You know, he's gotten the praise of Rodgers out of of minicamp and OTAs, which, as we've seen in the past, is a good thing. He gave it to Allison, you know, the last couple years he's given Allison that praise. So it... It really speaks to his year two development. You know, McCarthy always talked about it, that year two leap. I'm really excited, I'm really excited to see what Marcos Valdez-Scantling can do. I've always been an MVS truther. Uh, ever since I saw him perform at the Combine, uh, at watching, watching him perform the drills, which is weird. But, um, you know, I, I've always been excited to see him play in the NFL, and I think we're really going to start to see him take a big leap this year. No, I agree, and I agree with the point you made about how each receiver is a little bit different. Because you add in, you have the four main ones. But you also add in guys like Kumaro and Jamon Moore and Trevor Davis and Alan Lazard. There's that's eight different receivers who are all in different ways have their own unique abilities, and maybe only six make it, maybe only seven. But that it's it's a good problem to have to have that type of diversity for the Packers receiving core. And when it comes to MVS, you guys are both right. He has all the talent in the world to be a top flight receiver. And if he can seize that number two job and be that other perimeter receiver with Devontae Adams drawing all all the attention away, and if Jimmy Graham can come back and open up the middle, that's going to open up a ton for MVS. And he could have a crazy year as far, especially when you go by the yards per catch. He could be a guy who's easily in the 20-plus range if if they give him the right looks and the right, right routes to run. Exactly, so, because, you know, uh, Scanling, he averaged 15.3 yards per catch, and, and that's better than any year of Randall Cobb's career. So I just think that the ceiling's so high for him. And I know that all the receivers have different, uh, you know, different abilities, but I think Scanling just had the has the best overall ability of those receivers because, you know, he can stretch the field vertically. He can run up, you know, he can stretch the field horizontally with those great out routes. So I just felt like he was just the best of the bunch. No, I agree. And and so, Tyler, we'll go to you for our last one of this episode. Who's your dark horse to be a star for the Green Bay Packers? Well, it's kind of a cop-out, but I'm going to go with Jair Alexander. Uh, I just think that he's really going to take a big step this year. Uh, he's already kind of became the leader of the defense in a way, uh, a role that Mike Daniels, not last offseason, was talking about this defense needed. Um, it's been it's been evident that there's been a leader lacking on this defense, and I think that uh, Alexander's ready to take on that role. And I think that's kind of more of the viewpoint that I'm taking on this. Is I think we all understand that he's incredibly talented. You know that that game against Brandon Cooks last year that's forever going to stick in my memory as Jair Alexander, the rookie, blanketing Brandon Cooks, one of the fastest, quickest receivers in all of the NFL, with ease. And I'm I'm just so excited for him and the role that Mike Patton is going to devise for him this year. You know, similar to the receivers, the the three the top three corners, we'll call them Tremont Williams, Kevin King, and Jair Alexander, they're all different. They all have different skill sets, they all offer different different things uh, as a defender. Um, but like like Kevin King, 
Uh, Jair Alexander is really strong in the run game as well, so he's obviously going to be an every-down player. He's going to be one of the key players in this defense. Um, I'm excited to see when you what happens when you add an, an aggressive safety behind him like uh, Darnell Savage and also a passive safe safety like Adrian Amos, You know, kind of giving, giving him that security blanket to go out there and try and make plays and just kind of create turnovers. I said earlier this offseason that I think between uh, Amos, uh, not, sorry, not, not Amos, but between Savage and Alexander, I think we're going to see plus 10 turnovers between the two of them. And I, I'm so excited for this tandem of defensive backs, specifically Jair Alexander, and because he's going to be a central part of it. And he's going to be in the middle of the defense covering these shifty slot guys or, you know, a guy like uh, an Antonio Brown on the outside. I don't think you throw Kevin King on him. You, you, you throw Jair Alexander. And I'm just, I'm so excited for the chess piece that Alexander is going to be for Petten. No, you're absolutely right. And the one thing to remember also is that you take away that game one miracle. Alexander might have the play of the year when he annihilated both Diggs and Thielen on a bubble screen. That That's one of my favorite memories as a Packer fan of the past few years. That was incredible. And like King, he does need to stay healthy. He had some some uh, nagging injuries last year, but you're right. I think he is the talent to be a, a star. He's got the attitude that you want. He's got everything you need in a corner except for maybe the height. But I agree with you. I think he's going to be a, a starting this year. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? On Alexander, I mean, yeah, I think the guy is going to not only become a star, I'm thinking that he can finally be an all-pro is what he is like. I loved when he said he blew up the bubble screen. I mean that that there sums it all up. Or his, uh, I think it was him who got the interception again. Kirk Cousins that would have ended the game. You know he's just a special player. Even Belichick said that he was a special player, and they were going to try to draft him, but the Packers didn't take him. So yeah, I can totally see him becoming an absolute stud. Or he already is. He's just going to take it to the next level. Yeah, one thing I want to touch on real quick, too. You mentioned the injuries. You know, when you play as physical and as hard and as fast as Jair Alexander seems to play, uh, you're going to get banged up a little bit. Now, that's not that's not an excuse, but I, I, you know, I'm going to expect him to get banged up from time to time, and I'm willing to deal with that because of how physical and instinctual and, as I said, fast and just how he plays the game. I'm willing yeah, to Yeah, so you're saying it, it pays off. Yeah, it's I am. It's going to pay off. Yes. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely it's definitely a net benefit for that to happen, and I think in a lot of ways we saw that is a first year for Kevin King as well. But Alexander, especially, that's there's going to be bangs. There's going to be he's going to be nicked up a bit. I think we'll probably see that with Savage as well, with the, with the way he plays because he flies all over the place as well, and that's that's just the nature of football. Football is a very tough game for tough guys. So, folks, there you have it. Uh, nine players to watch, three to make the roster, three to make an impact, and three to potentially be stars in 2019 as we wrap up this episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. So, Tyler Grizzikork, we'll go to you. Where can we find you, and what are you working on? As always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, I've really made a kind of foundational shift uh, from writing strictly about the Packers to kind of writing – uh, about statistics, uh, doing projections, some fantasy football stuff. Um, that's kind of where you'll find me and my focuses now. Uh, still very Packers-centric uh, on Twitter, but you won't see as many Packers articles coming from me. All right, and Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Schimmel. And like uh, I have a website where I write some Packer articles. Usually I'm more of a guy who writes articles during the season, but I'm going to try to actually start writing some fun articles just for fun in the off season. So you can catch that. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wetlands. I'm back working for Dairyland Express again. I just released an article about uh, six players that are dark horses to make the roster. 
including a couple names that, are, that we talked about today as well. Uh, I'm also going to be working on some stuff for pa- uh, about Packers history as well, just because that's a fascination of mine. So stay tuned for those at Dairyland Express. Of course, check out the podcast everywhere podcasts are found. Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, we're at all those places, SoundCloud. Also, a big thanks as well again to Ticket King for partnering with us. Uh, it just happened on a Thursday night, so we're very thankful to them for giving us the chance. So go to TicketKing.com and check out all the offers they have as well. So for Chris Schimmel and for Tyler Grizzagore, this is Mike Wendland saying so long for now. We'll talk to you again shortly with more Pack-A-Day podcast. Go Pack Go! First and 10 for the 17 to San Francisco. Give Jones around the right end, gets a block, makes the turn, 10 to the 5, to the end zone! Second and two, six-yard line to Minnesota, tied at seven apiece. Graham tight end right side of the line, three receivers punch to the left, Rodgers under center. It's motion to the right, here's the pitch, Jones around the left end. He's got Bakhtiari blocking in front, Jones makes the turn to the pylon, to the end zone, for the touchdown! Second and short, get Jones, big hole, right side, 20, 15, 10, to the end zone, touchdown! Takes the snap, delay, hands it off, Jones up the middle with a burst, there he is, 15, 10, 5, high stepping, end zone, touchdown, Packers aren't going anywhere today, they are here to play, 33 yard touchdown burst, to match the number on the jersey of Aaron Jones. Oh my goodness, what a play. Jimmy Graham wide to the right side. Three receivers bunched tight on the left. Aaron Jones on the left side of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers in shotgun. And off Jones, picks his way off the right side, fights for the goal line, and did he get in? Yes, he did. Touchdown. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers, who ducks in under center. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff off the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. Here's Aaron Jones, off to the races, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, down the left sideline, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the five-yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a first, 67 yards. 